In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Well, we're back from a, a summer break, needed some time to recuperate, um, but now we're back on track for our, our regular weekly podcast schedule, and I'm excited about the guest we're coming back with. His name is Mark Ripito, and if I'm sure a lot of you who are listening know who this guy is, I've heard of him. Anytime we write about strength training on the website, his name and the book that he published back in 2005 always comes up. He's the author of the book, Starting Strength, Basic Barbell Training. That's what it's about. It's about lifting heavy with barbells, doing squats, deadlifts, presses, and bench presses to get strong. Mark has over 30 years experience in powerlifting, being an Olympic weightlifting coach as a gym owner. And in the past, almost like past 10 years, He's had a lot of influence in the resurgence of just simple back to basics barbell training. And so I'm really excited to talk to him today. We're going to discuss why a man should be strong, you know, why you should be able to lift heavy things. We're going to talk about the basics of barbell training. We're going to discuss CrossFit. We're going to discuss uh, chesticles. If you don't know what those are, you're going to find out today. Um, I divided this podcast into half because it went a little long. Um, so we'll have a, the second half next week. I've been having the lo- longer podcast, but lately, and I've had a few people reach out to me and saying, Hey, it's a little long. Can you shorten them a little bit? So that's what I'm going to do. Get back to our usual 30 minute long podcast. So this, uh, week we'll talk sort of the basics of barbell training. And the next week I took questions from Twitter, from followers to ask directly to Mark. And we'll, uh, answer those questions that people had from Mark Ripito. So there we go. Let's do this. Mark Ripto, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brad. I, I appreciate your call and I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your people. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate. It. I'm a I'm a big fan of yours. Um, your your book, Starting Strength, has been a big influence on my strength training, and um, we're going to get to the nitty gritty about your philosophy towards barbell training. But before we get there, I want to kind of think, you know, look at big picture. Because here's something I've noticed. Whenever we've published articles about, you know, lifting heavy, strength training, we usually get some person that chimes in with some sort of comment like, well, you know, if, you, if you're not playing football or some team sport or if you don't have a job that requires you to be really strong, you know, there's really no point to deadlifting 600 pounds. Um, yeah, I so, I mean, that a lot. what's your answer to that? I mean, to, to someone, you know, why should a man be strong even if they're, you know, a desk jockey? For a living. Well, a man ought to be strong because a, a man ought to just be strong. And uh, it's what a man ought to be. I mean, you know, what we say all the time is uh, 
and this is kind of tongue-in-cheek, but a grown man weighs 200 pounds. Uh, I mean, there are just there are standards that must be maintained, and that's just what we do. Uh, we're not, you know, and I've, I've never said that everybody ought to deadlift 600 pounds. All I'm saying is, is that probably you ought to be deadlifting more than you are now. And that's not the same thing as recommending that everybody be a competitive power lifter, but everybody ought to be strong enough to be useful as a human male. And, uh, you know, we still have to lift things and, and move things around physically, and we ought to be able to do that without hurting ourselves because it's just, you know, shameful. And uh, it's, you know, I've, I mean, I've written on this extensively. Strength is... Uh, it's, if nothing else, strength is the thing that keeps muscle mass on you. Training for strength maintains your muscle mass. And maintaining your muscle mass is an extremely important part of maintaining your health uh, for reasons of uh, biology and immune system mechanics and this sort of thing. It's uh, the number one thing that happens to us as we get older that affects our quality of life is the loss of muscle mass and the accompanying loss of bone density that comes from the process by which you lose your strength. So the maintenance of strength and the maintenance of bone density is what enables our quality of life to be maintained at old age. Uh, running doesn't prevent that from happening. In fact, running may accelerate the process. Uh, the only thing that keeps that from happening is, is for guys, when they get into their 40s at least, to say, I must now deliberately, as a part of my day, strive to maintain and increase my strength. And as a result, I mean, you've got to do strength training. Yeah. And I, what's expected of you. Yeah. And you also, I mean, I think it's a great point. You also write in starting strength in the introduction that there's just like a confidence that comes with being able to lift heavy things. Like, sure. You know, I know I feel great whenever I make a new personal a PR on a lift. Yeah. I mean, it carries well, over to other down parts somewhere of in the. That's deep in the DNA, I think. Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right. So uh, for our um, listeners who aren't familiar with um, your most, I guess, most popular, most famous work, it's a book called Starting Strength, and it's all about barbell training. Yeah, Starting Strength Basic Barbell Training is now in its third edition. Yeah. How, when, when, uh, when did it originally... When was it originally published? Uh, it was first published in 2005. Uh, it's been through three editions. The third edition uh, has sold the best because it's the best book. The yeah. first two were works in progress, and I think we've got it nailed down on the on the third edition. Uh, in fact, in all three editions, the books have sold 250,000 copies. Wow. And for an independent publisher, I'm told that's good. That's really good. And that's the thing. Like, you don't really, I mean, you don't do any public, you know, publicity on it. It's just sort of like word of mouth. I found out about it from a friend. Yeah, we have not really ever marketed the book. Uh, we probably should. We're taking steps in that direction now. But the book has sold itself uh, over the web. And uh, people hear about it. People have good luck with it. People write about it. We've got Probably ninety-five percent of our Amazon reviews are five-star. Yeah, you know it comes up in searches prominently. People look at it and they think, you know, this makes sense at a certain level, even before they hear the details. Yeah, but I mean the the, the the basic program is that 
you go, you do the basic barbell exercises, which constitute the entire program, the squat, the press, the deadlift, the bench press. And for most people, we do power cleans and possibly power snatches, and then we do some chins. These basic exercises work all of the muscles in the body in the way that they work under normal anatomical use. In other words, your knees and hips bend. So when you squat down and stand back up, that's a normal human movement. It uses all of that musculature. Well, if we put a barbell on your back and we have you do uh, sets of five reps with a barbell, fives work best for reasons that would take an hour to explain. <laughs> fives work best. And, uh, and then we, we increase the weight on, on that until we find out we find a weight that first day that's, you know, not terribly difficult, but is beginning to be a stress. And then the next time you come in, we go up five pounds. And the next time after that, five pounds. And then five pounds. And then five pounds. And we do that until that doesn't work anymore. And when that doesn't work anymore, then we get more complicated. But until it's necessary to be complicated, simple works just fine. So, uh, that, that that process extends over all of these lifts. Mm-hmm. Chins don't work that way. Chins don't work that fast, but we're using chins as assistance exercise. But one of the things that barbells uh, do is the big barbell exercises are the only lifts that you can do that will continue to increase in strength for years. Machines don't do that. You can't make progress on your leg extension for years and years like you can your deadlift because there aren't enough muscles involved in the exercise, and as a result, the, the performance of the exercise doesn't produce sufficient systemic stress to cause a systemic response. And that's what we're, we're looking for when we do barbell training. We want the whole body to get strong, because the whole body functions as a unit. And if we train it as a system instead of isolated components, then the system gets stronger. While the constituent components get strong, too. So the the program is really very simple and straightforward. I didn't invent it. It's been used for decades, if not centuries. You know, we're, of course, predicating this on the invention of the barbell. The, the good thing about the barbell is that it's incrementally increasable. We can go up on our bench press two pounds of workout if we need to, and that enables us to continue to drive an adaptation for a very long time. Uh, so the barbells, the invention of the barbells can, is you know, responsible for the facilitation of this program, but I didn't invent this. I just wrote it down uh, in a comprehensive, understandable way that collated everything that I'd learned about it over my decades in the gym business. And uh, it's a simple program, and it works every time it's tried. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing is that, you know, this book you know, starting strength is just insanely popular. People see it and they're like, wow, this is crazy. You know, I, I, this is like, it's new to them, right? Because they probably grew up in a time when it was just all about the machines or just simple dumbbell lifts. Well, I I think that they, most people have never had this simple, straightforward explanation presented to them before. Uh, again, this is not complicated material. It is merely, uh, uh, a, a utilitarian adaptation of the simple biological principle of stress 
recovery adaptation. If an organism is stressed and the stress doesn't kill the organism, organism recovers from the stress and adapts itself so that a repeated dose of that same stress doesn't constitute a stress anymore. Yeah. All organisms, this is just a function of, of, of life. Everything that's alive responds to stress in this way. And all we're doing is capitalizing on that by making sure that a stress is applied that can be recovered from. Now, if, if I took a novice into the gym the first day and I had him do 100 squats, 100 bench presses, 100 deadlifts, 100 cleans, that obviously would be both stupid and unprofessional because a, a person that is not adapted to a stress can't recover from an overwhelming stress. And uh, the stress overwhelms, it can't be recovered from. So the idea behind strength training is to apply a specifically tailored stress to the body that allows, that forces an adaptation to take place because it can be recovered from. So the processes of recovery are obviously nutrition and sleep and these sorts of things. But uh, but the, the process is so simple and obvious mm-hmm. that uh, I think for a long time people just didn't see it laying there. Yeah. You know, all I did is organize it for. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's, it's so simple. People think, why, why would it work? Right. Cause it's so, it's so simple. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Hey, Art of Manliness listeners. If you've been thinking about starting a website before you get hosting, before you start designing that thing, you're going to need a domain name. It's a .com, a .net, whatever. And a place you can go to get a pretty cheap domain name is godaddy.com. And if you go to godaddy.com today, and you use the promo code ART199 at checkout, that's ART199, you'll get your .com for just $1.99. Some limitations apply, so make sure to check out the website for details. Again, that's godaddy.com, promo code ART199. And now back to the show. Here's the interesting thing I, 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 you bring up in the beginning of the book, talking about um, you know barbells have been used for almost a century, decades, right? Yeah. And you talked about like the strength and the power that weightlifters had back in the day. Cause like one of the things I do is I like to collect old men's magazines and old fitness magazines and you see right. some of what Hell from back in the sixties. Yeah. And you see what some of these guys are doing, like what they're lifting just sort of as normal. It's insane. I mean, it's just, it's, but like in today you really don't see that all that often unless you are a, you know, a competitive power lifter or the like, but, uh, there was a different mindset towards, I guess, strength training, um, say 40, 50 years ago than compared to what's going on today. Well, I like to use the example of the, of the press. Now you mentioned the overhead press. We just call it the press because that's what it was called in antiquity. We, the, the press is the standing overhead barbell press. Anything besides that gets a qualifier. So if it's a, if it's a seated press, then it's understood that you're seated. If it's a dumbbell press, you're using dumbbells. If it doesn't say bench, it's assumed you're pressing overhead. So back 50 years ago, a body weight press, I weigh 225, 
loading a barbell at 225 and pressing it was considered pretty good, you know, a, a good place to start. Yeah. Uh, a, a 75 pounds over body weight press was considered a good press. Wow. Of course, you know, the, the old York guys were big pressers. <laughs> Bill March and Bednarski and all these, you know, Ernie Pickett, all these guys we write about on the website uh, were good pressers. You know, we had, we had people in this country pressing, you know, in the 500 at Bednarski pressed up close to 500, 496, I think. Wow. I, I can't, I don't, I'm, I'm not good with those numbers. Sure. Uh, but we have a series of articles written by both Bill Starr and Marty Gallagher on our website to detail this very thing. And we specifically include that stuff in our, in our library of, of, of things to read because I specifically want people to know where we were at one time and where we're not now. Yeah. And see, I guess the like there was a switch where people started focusing more on aesthetics, right? Like they want the the shredded six pack pecs. and like yeah, it's all about pecs. sex, right? The pecs. Pecs, yeah. bodybuilding, you know, that's when we stopped pressing and started laying down and doing our doing our pressing on the bench. Yeah. Because you get to lay down, I guess. No, it's uh I call the pecs the chesticles. The ch- <laughs> yeah. But you know, people people think that uh you know, well, bodybuilding made pecs fashionable. If you look at the old pictures of Grimmick, his pecs were not out of proportion to the rest of his physique. Uh, he had a flawless physique. And you'll notice the, the absence of overwhelmingly large pectoral muscles. And that happened back in the, in the late 60s and 70s when the bench press became fashionable. Uh, Bodybuilding started rewarding big pecs. Uh, best chest became a trophy that you won at the Mister America, that sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, I don't know body. I've never been a a big fan of bodybuilding. I just think it's kind of odd, but it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, the, the, probably the emphasis on bench press comes from bodybuilding. Yeah, it explains a lot of like where we got to today and sort of fitness and why a lot of guys go to the gym because they, they want to look like that. But maybe not particularly be strong. That's not like the primary goal. Right. All right. Right, and, and if you know the, the funny thing is if you just worry about strength, all the other things take care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, physique follows strength. That's right, and you won't have it'll it'll look like a normal physique. Like you won't look sort of like a a weird. I don't know. So it's not out of proportion, right? Some bodybuilders tend to emphasize their some entry level bodybuilders tend to emphasize the things they can see in the mirror. Yeah, with their shirt off, and as a result, they don't squat, they don't deadlift. Their back is kind of flat and shallow and sickly looking their legs are you know runners legs you know people people are odd yeah Brett, that's all i can tell yeah. you yeah some I, people are very some people very are, very odd I, I i i i i can hear you on that yeah um, so let's talk about, so one thing about barbell training, the thing you focus on in starting strength is just the form. 
Um, how important is form in barbell training? And like, is barbell training something you can just, you know, someone can get your book, go off on their own and start it, or should they, you know, get a qualified coach to check out what they're doing? Um, what's your take on that? Well, the book is designed to teach you how to do the lifts. Uh, people of average intelligence have always been able to take the instructions in that book and apply them effectively to their own training. The, uh, each edition got better at helping us do that. And uh, there are a lot of people on my website that have always trained by themselves uh, for one reason or another, have never had any coaching, and do just fine. Uh, the optimum situation would be to have a, a competent coach evaluate your, uh, your technique. Uh, but then we get into questions that are extremely sticky sometimes, like what is a competent coach? Yeah. Uh, most competent, uh, most coaches are incompetent. Uh, the current fad in, in, uh, the, actually the fitness industry, uh, is to minimize the importance of uh, deadlifts and squats done correctly into full depth and to maximize the importance of unstable surfaces, all this functional training shit, which is just a wonderful excuse to handle light weights. Uh, you can't get strong handling light weights. Strength is merely the production of force against an external resistance. If heavy weight's not involved, then you're not getting strong. That's all there is to it. Yeah. It's just not another analysis. There's only one type of strength, and that's the kind that your muscles produce when they contract. By moving your bones, which is a system of levers that moves the load. If the weight's not heavy, the load is light, the force production demands are low, and you don't get strong. And really, no shit, really. That's all there is to it. This is not complicated stuff. I'm not that bright, okay? <laughs> I'm just not that bright. This is not complicated, and it doesn't need to be complicated. Squats allow you to lift heavy weights. Deadlifts allow you to lift heavy weights. They allow you to get stronger for years. That's why we use them. They work the best. But learning how to do these exercises is sometimes contentious for people that are training by themselves. We recommend that you try to find one of our starting strength coaches who have been evaluated specifically for their ability to show you how to do these exercises correctly. But tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people have learned how to do these movements by themselves in their garage using the book. Again, these just aren't that complicated. In an ideal world, everybody would have a coach. Hell, I'd have a coach in an ideal world. But uh, I train by myself in here late at night because there's anybody around. So, you know, you've just got to remember the few simple principles that we hammer on in the book, and most people get by just fine. Be all right. Well, speaking of form, right? Uh, the CrossFit Games are going on right now. Oh, oh, oh! Let me let me briefly oh. touch on your question about technique. Okay, sure. Because uh, you'd asked that previously. Now, technique is terribly important. It is important that you get the last inch of the proper depth in the squat. Yeah. It's important that you don't go six inches below parallel, but it's important that you break parallel. It's important that you keep your knees out. It's important that your back stay in extension while the weight's being lifted. It's especially important for novices who are learning this to have technique emphasized above all else. Technique, 
for instance, the first time that I, I train somebody in here, I will show them correct technique. When their technique is correct, we start going up in weight. And when I sense that with my spider sense, that the next set, the next increase will make their form come apart, we stop at that weight, do two more sets of five, and quit. Mm-hmm. So that we preserve perfect technique. It is important for novices to develop perfect technique for two reasons. Perfect technique means that all of the components of the kinetic chain are doing their anatomically predetermined share of the work in the correct way. The second reason is incorrect technique becomes a safety problem. But we're not so much worried about safety as we are efficiency. Remember, we're lifting light weights at first, and light weights don't get, aren't dangerous. Heavy weight gets dangerous. Therefore, as we go through the process of increasing strength, form must stay perfect so that all of the components of the kinetic chain of each exercise get brought along with the whole system as it strengthens by the, through the process of going up five pounds per workout. Now, once a guy gets strong, he's been training three years and he wants to go to a, dead, a powerlifting meet and he wants to try that 600 deadlift. Does his form on the third attempt when he pulls the 600 have to be perfect? No. Because all we're concerned about at that point is that he get the deadlift and get the thing passed by the judges. If his back rounds a little bit, that'll be fine for him. Because he's strong now. He can tolerate a little deviation from correct technique, especially if it's for the win or for the PR. But during the process of the development of a certain level of base strength, perfect technique has got to be the process by which we achieve that strength. Because of the fact that perfect technique ensures that all of the components of the system are doing their job. This is why we don't need corrective exercises to fix the squat. We need correct squat to fix the squat because correct squatting form utilizes all of the components in their anatomically predetermined proportion within the lift. And this is why we hammer on correct technique, hammer on it, hammer on it. Bad technique gets you hurt. Bad technique also produces holes in the strength within the kinetic chain of the movement pattern. Yeah. And I'm sure you got to start out the, you know, getting that good technique at the beginning or else you'll just develop these bad habits that are harder to yeah. correct. Because I'm sure I probably have some. I'm, I'm, I've been lifting since high school and I'd like to think I'm doing okay, but I'm sure there's room for improvement. Oh, we all like to think we're doing okay. Brett, it makes <laughs> us feel good. That's think right. That. I like to think I'm doing okay, but there's things... <laughs> There's things I do wrong. Everyone needs a refresher on their form from time to time. Everybody. And, uh, you know, uh, there's no substitute for the eye of an experienced coach. It's just that they're hard to find sometimes. Yeah. Okay, well, um, speaking of form, um, the CrossFit games are going on right now. You probably know that. Um, What's your take? I'm, I'm aware of it. Yeah. What's your take on CrossFit? Because on the one hand, you know, it's made barbell training popular in some sense. But uh, Yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, 
when I first got involved with CrossFit back in 2006, I had had great uh, hopes for the potential of, of its ability to spread barbell training to a whole lot of people who'd never been exposed to it. And in fact, it has. Uh, on the whole, CrossFit is a net positive, but CrossFit has a lot of problems. Uh, CrossFit training, if you pay attention to the main site programming, is not really it's not really training. It's just random exercise. Training is the process by which uh, a person systematically improves their physical capacity to do a specific physical task. Training is specific, and the programming can't be random. Uh, CrossFit, P90X, muscle confusion type stuff doesn't produce strength as a as a long term uh, adaptation because strength requires the proper application of strength-type programming, things that make you stronger five pounds at a time. Uh, CrossFit may have you deadlift once every six weeks by itself as a strength exercise. Once every six weeks is not a frequent enough exposure to get you strong. Yeah. Uh, I think we're all aware of the random nature of CrossFit. Uh, the random nature is what keeps people interested in it because it's not boring, but at the same time, it's the thing that makes it not training. Uh, I just recorded a, a a thing with ESPN on Thursday that aired this past Sunday morning. This is the uh, you and I are speaking on the 28th of, of July. This thing aired on July 27th. So if you're listening to an archive of this conversation, you'll need to look it up on ESPN according to that date, July 27th. And we talked about the the pros and cons of CrossFit, and maybe people enjoy watching that. The uh, my objections to it are 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 talked about in that interview, and uh, I think that CrossFit is a still has the potential to revolutionize the the uh, fitness industry because it's the uh, it's the most broad exposure lots and lots of people have besides P90X to the concept that hard produces results. Yeah. I mean, previously we'd been taught that the best thing about a fitness program that you could you could do, for instance, at home, was that the device folded up and stored under your bed. <laughs> it only took five minutes. It was easy. It didn't even make you sweat, and it folds up and stores under your bed. And then P90X comes along back in the early 2000s and starts telling everybody, hey, this thing makes you sweaty. And guess what? That's why it works. And I think that P90X, in effect, laid the foundation for CrossFit because so many people had seen that infomercial yeah, and had already had the obvious presented to them. Yes, it's obvious that hard work works better than soft work. And, and P90X kind of broke the ground on that and CrossFit capitalized on it. CrossFit is, in, a, in essence, P90X with barbells. It's random. It's done for the effect that it produces on your body today. There's no long-term planning in terms of the of the uh, structure of the of the workouts themselves. Uh, a gradual accumulation of fitness occurs, but it's not according to the to a specific plan, and it's not specific to a, a different a, a specific type of physical adaptation. In other words, a marathon demands a different set of physical adaptations than a 600 deadlift. So these things must be carefully planned. 
I'm sorry about that. That's not my fault. That's just biology. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the random nature of CrossFit prevents it from being uh, considered strength training. Uh, but it's been very, very good for a whole lot of people. Uh, the, the primary drawback to CrossFit, in my mind, is the fact that there are so many coaches trying to run the program. You know, we, we deal with CrossFit people all over the country. And lots and lots of these affiliates are very good gyms, of very, very talented, experienced coaches where you can obtain quality advice, but lots of them aren't. And to a person off the street walking into a CrossFit affiliate, it is impossible for them to tell the difference. Of course, that's also true of any physical coach. Any trainer, I don't, you know, somebody off the street doesn't know the difference between me and the 19-year-old kid at the powerhouse gym up the street that has a shirt that says trainer on it. Yeah. That's, just, that's one of the drawbacks of being in this industry. It, with the um, with CrossFit, I mean, what they, a lot of that's focused on CrossFit with barbell training is this whole, like, lift for time thing. Yes. Is that, like, not good, or is it good? I mean, or is well, it, should we go uh, slow is better, or slow and heavy? It's the source of a lot of injuries because if you do a lift that should be executed with technical perfection under conditions of fatigue, first thing that's going to happen is technical perfection goes out the window, and then you're just pulling on the bar, and uh, sometimes that gets you hurt. Yeah. You know, sometimes the weight is light enough and you're in good enough shape that you don't get hurt. But there's always the potential. Whereas properly executed strength training has such an astronomically low percentage of injury potential that it's just really not even on the chart. It's it's You don't get hurt doing correctly executed squats, deadlifts, presses, bench presses, power plates. You get hurt sometimes at a power meet, but that's competitive athletics, not fitness training. Competitive athletics are dangerous. Once you decide you want to be a competitor, that you want to win at something, safety is no longer a concern. Winning is a concern. That's why people in the NFL get hurt. It's a competitive sport. Safety's not the point. Safety's neat, but it's not the point. And when you make uh, anything competitive, then you up the injury potential. I think that's not a uh, that's not a terribly complicated concept to wrap your brain around. Uh, one of the problems with CrossFit is it's presented as competitive, and you have a lot of people that want to immediately join in the competition, but they haven't prepared, and as a result, it wouldn't be crazy to see in increased injury rate in that kind of situation. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the question I have. I know we have a lot of, uh, older listeners, um, who are probably like what in their forties and their, and I guess that's not old middle age, like forties, fifties, sixties. Um, mm-hmm. should your program change as you get older or can you keep trying to add sure. more and more weight to your deadlift, even in your fifties or sixties? Well, it all depends on when you started lifting. I'm 58 and I've been lifting for, 38 years, and I've not really uh, 
silly enough to think that I can do the PRs I did when I was 35. Mm-hmm. You know, as you get old and beat up in, uh, you know, bucked off of horses or whatever else you're doing, you, you know, have motorcycle wrecks and things like that, things get injured. And those injuries must be taken into account when you train. Now, if I'm starting a person off as a novice when they're 60, I expect them to make progress for several years before it slows down. Now, we wouldn't approach the training of a 60-year-old novice the same way we would approach the training of an 18-year-old novice because the hormonal milieu is different and everything else is different, too. But in terms of your ability to make progress, far more important than a person's age is how long has the person been training, how much adaptation has already taken place in the direction of that person's potential adaptation. If no steps along that road have been taken, then there are a lot of steps left to take. It's obvious that a strong guy uh, increases his strength at a higher cost than a weak guy. It's easier for a weak guy to get stronger than it is for a guy who's already very strong. Duh, right? That's this principle of diminishing returns showing up one more time. if I've got a 60-year-old novice, uh, we still do the same thing. We'll show them the basic barbell exercises, same ones. The only one we might omit, probably would omit for a 60-year-old guy, would be the clean. Because old people's tissues don't respond favorably to ballistic training, to explosive stuff, uh, as younger guys' tissues do, because old tissues don't aren't as dynamically responsive. Uh, rapid dynamic loading is hard on an old guy's tendons. So we realize that, and we won't have him clean, but everything else he can do. He can squat, he can deadlift, he can press, he can bench, you know, unless arthritis or injuries prevent that from happening. But we do basically the same program. But what I would do for a a 60-year-old guy is, is I would only have him train probably twice a week. The thing that I have found to be true as we get older is that the problem in older guys is recovery and that training volume is the problem, not training intensity. Old guys can still lift heavy. Guys that have been training a long time can still lift heavy. They just can't do as many reps and sets because they can't recover from the volume. What does your uh, program look like? You said you're, you're a 50 year, 58-year-old man. Is it still kind of the basic starting strength? Oh. Yeah, I do the basic lifts. I, I still pull. I deadlift or, or do low rack pulls uh, every other week, and then I'll squat every other week. So I'm only doing those once uh, once every two weeks. I press every week, uh, and I'll do chins and do some conditioning every week. My program is very simple, but I travel a lot, and yeah. I'm not always in the place I need to be to get a workout in. So it's, it's kind of a mess, but I still maintain a Oh, I probably maintained a 500 deadlift. I can probably still squat 365 if I had to. I press 185. I can do 16 dead hang chins. Wow. You know, I can hang on to that. I'm fine. I'm not competitive anymore. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm just staving off death at this point. Yeah, trying to maintain that muscle mass, right? Trying to maintain, trying to maintain, hanging on for dear life here. <laughs> All right, so you um, you know you advocate like the big lifts, but uh, and you mentioned chins. Are there any other supplemental lifts that you know would be kosher in your program? 
Oh, I don't think anything else much is necessary. Yeah. I mean, the the strongest guys uh, throughout the history of the sport have have, have done fairly simple programming. Uh, I remember back in the in the seventies and eighties, Larry Pacifico was a little bit different. He used to use a lot of bodybuilding assistance type exercises in his programming, but but most very strong guys will tell you that squats, some type of deadlift, maybe maybe some variations in the deadlift, uh, bench presses, some type of of overhead press, uh, and chins or lat pulls are basically the the tools we have. We don't vary uh, the exercises. We vary the volume and intensity. The other program, in other words, exercise variety is not the programming variable in strength training. Loading is 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 the variable in strength training. We always squat. We just we use different sets and reps. Uh, it's not necessary to use leg presses because they don't do anything. Yeah. Except make your knees sore. Yeah, I can I can so, attest to uh, that. Yeah, it's just the, the 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 simplest things can be kept the better. It's uh, you know, and this is this is one of my pet peeves with uh, uh, modern approaches. Well, I wouldn't say modern, but current approaches to to uh, strength conditioning in 2014. This emphasis on exercise variety and 90 different ways to do a one-legged squat on an unstable surface. That's that's not how you get strong. If strength is if strength is the the adaptation you want. Heavy weight is going to have to be involved in that equation, and if the exercises you choose to do preclude the use of heavy weight, then you can't get strong, and that's just all there is to it. So, uh, you know, I, as is usually the case, the latest thing is not necessarily the best. The latest, you know, all the variety it sells, books or magazines or oh, it's proprietary. Certainly, yeah. it's interesting. Certainly, it sells better than what I've got to sell. Hard work's what I got to sell. It's not much of a. It's not in demand, is it? Uh, but it does work. Our guest today was Mark Ripito. Mark is the author of Starting Strength: Basic Barbell Training, and a, and also several other books. But Basic Barbell Training is the one you got to check out. Uh, you can find that on Amazon.com. You can also go to his website, StartingStrength.com. They have forms. They have. Uh, articles by Mark, and you can also buy the books there. And also tune in next week for the second half of this interview where Mark answers questions taken from Art of Manliness Twitter followers. Until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly.